these young folks. And Kyle and Heidi, I count you among the young folks. <laughs> Have you been hearing these young folks say, whatever comes, we'll go? You hear that? That's the kind of faith that just blows me away. And honestly, it's really fun because this is lining up really well with today's scripture in Mark chapter 10. We're going to see as Jesus interacts with his disciples and with a fellow um, who's called Bartimaeus, we're going to see that God has been answering prayers for a long time. God is answering prayers today. And we can have faith that God will answer prayers in the future. So today I'm starting in Mark Oh, and now it is time for Children's Church. Thank you for Melody. Oh, I was so excited. And the kids were saying, I don't want to hear any of this. All right. So kids who are going to Children's Church, kids between four years old and first grade. And, and kids who are going to Waterway 2-5. So everybody who's between four years, eight, four years old and who has not started sixth grade yet, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And this is the last, I'm so blessed to have good reminders around me. Did you guys know next week is Step Up Sunday here at church? I know different people start school at different times, but next week, if you were in the third grade Sunday school class today, you'll be in the fourth grade Sunday school class next week. If you were in the fifth grade class, you'll be in, if you're in fifth grade, if you've just finished fifth grade this past year and you've been going to Waterway 2-5, enjoy today. Because fifth graders, this is your last one. Next week, you'll be a sixth grader. And then you can do junior high stuff. So, all right. Well, I am so glad you guys are here. Did you guys hear Lily talking about how she wants to be baptized because she believes in Jesus? How many of you believe in Jesus? Let me just ask. How many of you believe? And how many of you think that probably someday you'll want to be baptized? Yeah. As you're getting a little bit older, that's something you can be thinking about. And if that's something that you're really thinking about, come and talk to me, okay? I'd love to talk to you about it. Well, let's pray before you go. Can we pray? Do you remember how we do that? Put our hands together and we bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this chance to be together. Thank you for this chance to praise you. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts so that all of us respond to you. As these boys and girls go to Waterway 2-5 and Children's Church and as they prepare school kits today, I pray that their work would be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, guys. You can go out. You see the people there in the lobby? You go find them, and they'll, they'll guide you to where you need to go. Oh, thank you for the reminders. We got baby dedications and baptisms and testimonies. I got all excited to preach. Almost missed the kids. Would have probably noticed it about 10 minutes. But uh, hey, we're in Mark chapter 10 today. And we've been following through Mark uh, the first nine and a half chapters, um, we, we looked at the first couple verses of Mark chapter 10 a few weeks ago, and we know that Jesus is traveling. At this point in his ministry, Jesus uh, is in the last, probably the last couple of weeks, certainly the last couple of months of his life here on earth. He's on his way to Jerusalem, which is where he's going to die. It's where he'll be hung on a cross. It's where all of that stuff is going to happen that, that occurs near the end of the Gospels. But um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he has a large crowd of people that are following him, but he has a small group of disciples who are very close with him. And here's what it says in verse 32. It says that they, that is all these people, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. They've been seeing things happen. The disciples are astonished, kind of blown away. Astonished is, is kind of surprised, shocked, can't believe it. 
They're astonished because they've been seeing Jesus do these things, and they know the love of Jesus. They know the compassion of Jesus. He's their friend. They're astonished. But those who followed, those who have just been watching what he does and hearing some of his teaching, those people are afraid. So there's a crowd here that's got some emotions, right? But they're following him. Again, it says, he took the 12, that is those 12 closest disciples, he took them aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Now, if you're keeping score, following track, or counting, this is the third time that Mark records Jesus doing this. At least three times, Jesus has said to his disciples what he's going to say here. What does he say? He says, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus talking about Jesus, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. This is the third time within a very short period that Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die there. He says, I'm going to be handed over. There's going to be a, a, a show. There's going to be a, a kind of a trial, but I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be condemned to death. I will be mocked and spit on. Three days later, I will rise. The third time, Jesus moves and there's a prediction. Then James and John, verse 35, the sons of Zebedee came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask, which is, of course, what you say to someone when they tell you they're getting ready to die. You know, dad tells you, I'm getting ready to die. What you need to say is, okay, dad, can you make sure I get the biggest inheritance? That's how it works. Helps family dynamics. Your siblings will love it. James and John, in another place in scripture, they're called the sons of thunder. Do you remember the name for the sons of thunder in that language? Bonerges. Thank you, John. James and John, sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. So Jesus moved, right? He made this prediction. And now there's a response from the disciples. What does Jesus say? He asked them a question, verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? Or maybe he says, what do you want me to do for you? I'm not sure how he asked it. But he asked it in such a way that they gave an answer. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. They've just heard him say, I'm going to be spat upon. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to raise again. And they say, can we rise up with you? Let one of us be at your right. Let one of us be at your left. You know, take us with you, Jesus. I don't, what do you think of that request? In some ways, it seems obnoxious to me. Really, guys? Come on. You can't... You can't rally around Jesus with some kind of better love or support than that. But, but yet, honestly, there's another part of me that says, well, you might not have very long to ask him. You know, ask him. You want to be at his right and left? That sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be at Jesus' right hand, wouldn't you? So I, I, I'm a conflicted man about this question. But they said, let us sit at your right and the other at your left. And then this is how Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't say no. Jesus doesn't say, guys, you're not thinking right. He doesn't seem to have rolled his eyes or, or, or condemned them or put them down. Here's what he says. You see it in verse 38? You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said, yeah. And so he says to them, okay, you will drink the cup I drink. In other words, you will be spat upon and cursed and killed one day too. And in fact, they were. He says, you will drink the cup I drink. You'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. 
But here's what Jesus says that's very interesting, and this is how he answers their question. He says, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. In other words, Jesus says, guys, there's already a plan in place. I can't give you what you're asking. It's not up to me, not my problem. It's a nice way to sidestep a question, isn't it? But Jesus doesn't yell at them, doesn't tell them they're being insensitive, doesn't tell them they're being selfish. He simply says, guys, now is not the time for that question to be answered. So Jesus moved, and there was a response by the disciples. They asked him a question. Jesus asked them a question. They replied with what they want. Jesus responded, says, I can't do that for you. And then in verse 41, the disciples respond, when the 10, that is the other who are not James and John, when they heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They were annoyed. Don't know if Jesus was, but these guys were. You ever been annoyed with somebody on your team? Ever annoyed with somebody at your job? Ever annoyed with somebody in your row at church? Of course not. But these guys were. When they heard about it, they became indignant with James and John. And so Jesus called them together and says, look, and this is the exact same thing that he said to them before over and over and over again. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says to his disciples, guys, don't start thinking about who's the greatest. You want to be the greatest? You be a slave to all, like I am. You've heard this before, right? I mean, if you've been here for a couple weeks, you've heard me preach this before because Mark keeps bringing this up over and over and over. Jesus keeps talking about this over and over and over. Why? Because people, even you and I, keep trying to climb to the top. There's something that's innate in many of us. Not all of us. Some of you are naturally humble. God bless you. Thank you for your patience. But there are a lot of us who have this ladder in our minds that we are constantly climbing. And, and there are so many of us in our world, and I think especially in our part of the world, there are so many of us who can't do anything without competing about it. And not just competing as in, oh, that was, that was a fun game of Candyland. Look, I, I happened to win. Wasn't this nice? No, it's as in, I'm winning. I prayed for more people than you. I'm better than you. Get out of my way. We don't very often admit it, but isn't that how we tend to think? Jesus knew this. He's talking to these guys. He said, look, James and John, you want to be up, and you guys are mad at him for making that request, for wanting to be with me. He says, here's what you need to do. Don't think about who's going to be the greatest. You want to really be great in God's economy? You humble yourself. And he didn't even just say, look out for each other. He didn't even use the word servant. There's a word here, slave. He says, you are mindful of their needs all the time. So let's recap really quickly from Mark 10, verse 32, all the way down to verse 45. Jesus moves. There's a response among the disciples. Jesus asks them a question. They make a request. Jesus responds, and then the disciples respond. What's really, really kind of fun is that the exact same pattern happens again in the next verse, starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho right? They're still moving. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving a city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Bar means son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. He was sitting by the roadside begging. This would have been a normal thing. This is a festival time. There would have been a lot of people going by, lots of people to beg from, lots of coins to put. 
at the feet of Bartimaeus. Blind man sitting by the road while Jesus is moving through. When Bartimaeus, verse 47, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, Jesus comes past and there's a response, right? People respond. They always respond. Some people respond by wanting to kill him. Some people want to love him. Some people have things to ask from him. But rarely does Jesus move and people don't notice. But many rebuked Bartimaeus, the blind man, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's not so different, is it, than James and John asking to be at the right hand of Jesus? We will not be stopped. We're going to say what needs to be said. So Jesus stopped said, call him over. So they called the blind man over. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And now Jesus asked him the question, the exact word for word, same question that Jesus asked James and John in verse 36. Notice this, it's exactly the same. What does Jesus say? What do you want me to do for you? Underline that in your Bible, highlight it. Highlight it on your phone, save it, paste it, share it, whatever you do. Remember it. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You see, the same, the same set of circumstances, or the same set of events happening in different circumstances, Jesus is moving. There's a response of the people around him. Jesus asked a question. In fact, the exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? The person made a request. Jesus responded. And then the disciples respond. How do we know the disciples responded? Because now Bartimaeus is one of the big crowd of disciples. He followed Jesus along the road. What do you want me to do for you? Has Jesus asked you that question lately? Have you heard Jesus ask? Have you been listening for Jesus? A lot of us in our prayers, we pray to Jesus, we talk to Jesus, we tell him our things. And we may, without being prompted, we may just ask him for stuff. That's fine. That's good. But do you listen for Jesus very often? When you're praying and you have questions and you have issues, do you ask him about them? I love so much what Elizabeth said when she said she was kind of figuring out how to, how to talk about these impulses that she had, this desire to go, the way she had been encouraging her friends to go. What did she say? Well, I talked to God, and I gave it to him. I like that. Kind of waiting for a response, not demanding anything, but just putting it out there and waiting. How are you guys doing with your life? Because I'm convinced that one of the keys to living well on this earth, not living well as in comfortable, fat, happy, and rich, I'm talking about living well as in at peace and able to deal with it even if things are a mess. I'm convinced that one of the keys of living well is continuing to listen to God and listen for God and not just impose all my thoughts upon him all the time. 
I've told you that before. We've talked about it before and we've practiced it before. You know that you need to be listening for God. If you're new here or maybe if you're checking us out online, I'll just remind you that it's important to be listening for God because sometimes God says things that we don't expect. Imagine if Bartimaeus hadn't been listening to Jesus and just was on talking and talking. Imagine if Jesus had never had the opportunity to ask Bartimaeus what he wanted. Imagine if Bartimaeus had never had the opportunity to say, I want to see. Would his sight have been restored? Don't know. Seems like probably not. But here's Bartimaeus, so excited. Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody says, okay, Bartimaeus, come on over. They just want to get this guy out of the way, it seems. But what does Jesus say? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man was just straight to, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. There is a conflict in many of us who have been Christians, especially those of us who have been Christians for a while. We understand that what Reuben talked about this morning is true, that we need to practice humility, even put it on like our clothing, right? We don't want to elevate ourselves too highly. We don't put ourselves down because we know that God created us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God values us, loves us. We are children of God, right? But we're humble. We don't make a big deal about ourselves, going on bragging about ourselves, telling, telling our stories, our bigger stories, when somebody else has a little story. No, we, we need to be humble as we interact with each other. And yet, and yet, do you see how Jesus interacts with this person? He, he says, don't be afraid to ask, what do you want me to do for you? As, as you all are practicing your humility, I'd like to challenge you this week to continue to listen for God. It may be the week that Jesus speaks to you in some kind of a, in some kind of a prayer way that maybe only you will hear. It may be the week that Jesus finally says, what can I do for you? Now, just because he asked doesn't mean absolutely that he'll grant it. Remember what happened with James and John. He said, what do you want me to do for you? James and John asked something that just wasn't the right time, and he told them that. He said, that's not for now. But do you see the blessing that he gives Bartimaeus, this man who's, who's blind, who apparently has been blind for a while. He's out begging. He's reliant upon the gifts of others, and, and he's stuck by the road in the dust and in the dirt, just hoping for someone to have compassion on him. What does he want? He says, I want to see. Jesus says, sure, here you go. You know, sometimes God answers our prayers in such ways that we just have to come in front of the church and talk about it. I want everybody to know. And yet, at the same time, we all know that there are times where Jesus doesn't ask, what can I do for you? There are times where it's just not our moment. There are times where we must endure. There are times where we must press on. That's our faith at work as well. And so, as I kind of wrap up this sermon here today, I'm just admitting to you that I am conflicted, but here is the balance that I'm trying, the line that I'm trying to walk. I want to be humble in my life. I want to look out for other people and not just think about myself. But I also want to be honest with God and be ready to share whatever it is that I want, whatever it is that I think I need and whatever it is that seems like would be a blessing to me and to others. I want to be humble, but yet in the face of Jesus, I want to be confident. So that if I need to see, I can say, well, let me see. If I need to be saved, I can say, Jesus, save me. If I need to be delivered from some temptation, I can say, Jesus, please save me from this temptation.
If I need to be given wisdom for some situation, I'm confident. I'm not thinking, oh, I I won't ask Jesus for that. No, I'll say, Jesus, I need help. Please walk me through this situation. Do you see that balance there? I'm not thinking too highly of myself, but I'm recognizing that sometimes the Lord speaks to me and says, Jesse, what do you need? I think the same thing happens for you. I wonder, church, in the midst of a world that would say, you look out for yourself and get yours. Look out for number one. Get what you can. Climb the ladder. Doesn't matter who you trample on. Make sure you take care of yourself. In a world that says that, that that would tempt us to put ourselves first all the time, can we be the kind of people that say, I can be humble and I can interact humbly because I've got a Lord looking after me who will take care of everything I need. If I need somebody to do my job for me for five months, while I go serve him, God can provide somebody to do my job for me. Do you see what we've talked about today? If, if I need God's assurance that now is the right time, even though I accepted him when I was six, if I need to hear from God that now is the time to be baptized, I can, I can trust that God will give me that message just like he gave it to Lily. And if I've got a whole bunch of kids in my house, and they're wonderful kids, but they have more energy than a tiny dog, I can come humbly before the Lord and say, Lord, everything I have is because of you. But I can also, like Kyle and Heidi, be confident enough to say, and Lord, because you love me, I'm going to ask that you would give me help. Right? Do you see these balances that that we're trying to walk together? As you go forward today, I hope that you will be humble as you interact with your brothers and sisters. I hope that you will also be confident when the Lord speaks to you. So that when he says, What do you want me to do for you? You can have the kind of response that leads to a result. That leads to you sitting in that chair and me sitting in this one. And telling the Lord, telling the world about the goodness of God. That's what I get excited about. And that's my challenge to you. Be humble. But know that you are a son or a daughter of the king. Can we pray together? Lord, thank you. Thank you for (laughs) all the things that we're getting to do today as a church. Lord, thank you for the faithful responses we've seen in Lily and in the Neff family and Elizabeth Smoker. And Lord, I thank you for the faithful responses that are all throughout this congregation, all the people who have said yes to you over the years, even when the situation and the details seemed cloudy. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble people, not putting ourselves down or, or, or pretending that we don't have any blessings. But Lord, help us to be humble in the way that our attitudes shine through. Help us to live in such a way that we, that we wrap ourselves up with the kind of attitude that lets us be approachable, that lets us be kind and winsome. But Lord, help us to remember how much we are loved. And help us to remember that sometimes, sometimes, You even ask us what we need. Lord, help us to live these days well. We love you, Lord. Amen. Church, would would you stand and sing as we we sing this, this closing song? I think this is a fantastic reminder of just the love of God and the confidence that we can have in his presence. Sing Heaven's Gates with us.
You exchange the joy of heaven for the suffering of the cross and the presence of your Father for the friendship of the lost. Now we know there was no other way to release this world from sin. You endured the cross. 